Family, tonight is January 11th, 2024, and the title of our sermon is Life Altering Path. Life Altering Path. We're about to take a lap. <laughs> We're going to take a victory lap, courtesy of Pastor Peyton. So before we get into the meat of the message and before we begin to get into scriptures, uh, we wanted to tell you as we were engaging with the sermon uh, and reflecting on what God has done, we were reflecting on how thankful we are for the faith that we have in this family. Amen. We got men and women who walk in the faith of God, who grab a hold of the promise of God, not paying attention to what they can see, Joe. Joe is a man who walks by faith. But grabbing a hold of God's promise and God's word, you guys have an extraordinary faith. And because of that, we want to go to a slot, familiar slot. Hebrews 11 in the Amplified Even More version. Now, faith is the assurance of what really exists under any appearance. The confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof, the manifestation of the proof of the charge and the result of what will be reaped. Of the things, the deeds that must be done, even though we do not see the conviction of their reality, perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. That is what you guys are. That is what you walk in. That is the faith that Gabriel Stevens walks in. That man has extraordinary faith, and he perceives as real fact what God has said long before you can see it in the natural. And that's what always marked the children of God. That's what's always marked the sons of Israel. And it's what marks this body. We want to encourage you, church. You have an extraordinary, abundant, and uh, a faith that grabs a hold to what God has said. So turn with us to Psalm 37, 23. We're going down memory lane today. I'm going to take it in the LSB. Verse 23 says, the footsteps of a man are established by Yahweh, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong, because Yahweh is the one who sustains his hand. Family of God, can I, can I be honest with you? <laughs> I, I've been a man that hasn't always, hasn't always believed that this was true for me. But I can look back over the path of my life, and I can see that God has been the one that sustained my hand time and time again. And I can look into each and every one of your lives and see the path over the years that I've known you all and see that God has been the one to sustain your hand. See, we want to testify to you today that the Lord is the one that has ordained our steps. We are on the path laid out for us, and the Lord has delighted in you, LCM. Nothing you are doing or going through has been without consent of Adonai or outside of his sovereignty, and yet the Lord is leading you along the path to the destination he desires for your life. Daniel Cho, he delights in your way. And he is the one who sustains your hand. He's ordained it. He's the one who set it into motion. The Lord delights in his righteous ones and he delights in the path that he has set them on. So much so that Proverbs 20, 12, 28 says in the old faithful, in the way of righteousness, there is life. Along that path, there is immortality. Saints, the life that you are on, the, the path that you are walking on, the, Lord, the Lord's ordained it, ordained it. The trials, the difficulties, the victories, all of these things, he has set out in motion for you and set out ahead of you. And along this path, there is abundant life. Now tell me something. Before you got born again, before you came into the kingdom, 
Were you living an abundant life? I know you read about it in somebody's book that I can't, I don't know who the author is, but I know I wasn't, I heard about the abundant life. I heard about the good life, but I was not living it. It's only in the path that I am now walking along with my crucified Messiah that I've experienced abundant life. And that's the same for you. You are currently now walking an abundant life. We are currently now in a harvest season. We're going to reap much more. We have a lot much more to reap. There's more, there's more seed to be sown. There's more to be plowed. But the truth of the matter is right now, currently, you are in a harvest. And we're getting ready to, to experience more and more and more. But we want to recognize that. We want to elevate the name of our God, the name of El Shaddai, which you guys heard on Sunday, that he is the God who has been enough to bring you to this point. And that's worthy of celebrating. Oh, come on. That's worthy of celebrating, saints. Also, along this path, El Shaddai has ordained there's immortality. He has decided, along with abundant life, that you are currently walking in with persecutions, that you should also not, not be brought down to the grave. Yes, we may experience death for a moment. Ubon, we may experience death for a moment. But what is more true, more true than what you can see in the moment, is that you shall not die. That is the truth. Let's look at this now in the LSB. Oh, yeah. LSB says... In the path of righteousness is life, and in its pathway, there is no death. You see, we can look at a word like immortality, and we can put it in some far-off distant land, but we're here to unpack this a little bit for you today. In this pathway that the Lord has ordained for us, there is no death. That is because he is El Shaddai in your life, and he's able to breathe on you and resurrect you time and time again so that you are not one who sits in death. Like my brother said, we may experience death in a moment, but God never leaves us there. He is a God that is bringing us along the path that is life to obtain a crown of life. In light of that, for tonight's reflection on Sunday's message, we want to take a look at the pathway that El Shaddai led the patriarchs on. Do you think it might be good to examine their lives and imitate their faith? I think so. In doing so, you're going to come away with a better understanding of the pathway or the journey that El Shaddai is leading you on. So looking at what he did for them, looking at how they responded to him, to his name, to his character, we can better see what is happening in our lives and how we should respond. Turn with us to Exodus 6, verse 2 in the ESV. We're going to be in verses 2, and two through 4. Say life-altering path when you get there. Verse 2, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, El Shaddai. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. So you guys heard this on Sunday, that God revealed himself to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai. The God who is enough or who says enough. Question though, did God reveal himself to these patriarchs in one 30-minute sit-down session where they had a 30-second a, a break in the middle? Did he sit down and he reveal himself to them all at once? No. He set them on a path. He started their walk, and their walk all st walks all started in different ways, in different paths. 
Abraham's walk started coming out of idolatry. Hello, who can relate? Right? But his son's walk came from looking at his faithful father and learning about his relationship with God. And so his grandson. Abraham started them along a path, and along that path, he revealed himself to them by this name. So let's take a deeper dive into Abraham's path and where it begins. In Genesis 12, starting in verse 1, it says, God reveals himself to Abraham. Sorry. In Genesis 12, 1, God reveals himself to Abraham and sets him down a path. This had to be undertaken by faith. Remember, Abraham didn't have a GPS. He left his family and his country in pursuit of the promises of God and to be obedient in faith. That's where we want to pick up in our story tonight. So turn with us to Genesis 12, verse 7. Before we do, and Rob reads that scripture, have you ever thought about the fact that God told Abraham to go? He didn't tell him when to go, I mean where to go. He didn't tell him how he was going to get there. He says, go to the land, I will show you. And what did Abram do? He started walking, right? This walk began for him in faith, in trusting the name of God. And it's the same thing for the families in this church. Your walk began in faith. None of us came to the Lord because we were great and just needed a little extra. We came to the Lord because we were dead and we needed to be made alive. And I didn't believe it at first that he could until he said that he would by his word. And so I learned to trust him. I learned to believe him. And that is where my walk started. That is where your walk started. And that is where Abram's walk started. Genesis 12, 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Say he built an altar. So this is the, the pattern that we see setting up here. God reveals himself to Abraham, okay? And he speaks to him things that will happen. Remind me, how did God reveal himself to Abraham again? What name did he reveal himself to him as? As El Shaddai, the God who is enough, right? So God, who is enough, reveals himself to Abraham, and the result of that revelation, and because of that interaction, Abraham was inspired to build an altar. You don't read it as a requirement. He didn't have to, no. He had an interaction with God's presence. He had an interaction to the things that God spoke to to him. And as a result, he thought it right to build an altar, to sacrifice something, right? Can you think back to your lives when you've had experiences with God, where you have uh, wrestled with God and he's revealed himself to you and it inspired you, it invited you to lay down something that that he wanted? Can you think back to that? That's exactly what happened here in Abraham's life. As I was uh, listening to this message on the way home from the hospital Sunday, slacker, where, where you at, Lou? Just slacking. You missed service on Sunday. As I was uh, listening to this message, um, I was encouraged by the faith that I see in Gabriel Stevens. I was encouraged by the tenacious faith that I see in Luke Ledesma and his, and his bride. I was encouraged by the transparency that they both engaged with what needed to die but then saw El Shaddai, put it to death, and then resurrect them right out of it, and we all benefited from it. I was encouraged by that. And as we got to the close, Pastor Eric said something very simple, uh, but if you like me, it's the simple things that I can oftentimes just let fly right over my head. And more, more than that, not apply. He said, when you come to this altar, something has to die. What happens at an altar? Something dies, right? And I, I began to think, how many times have I went to the altar, recognizing what was wrong, able to put my, my, my finger on the issue, but something didn't die? Or how many times 
have I, have I went to the altar, put something to death, yes, Lord, this is it, with, with no clarity about what, need, what needs to happen next. And then I began to look at the patriarch's lives about how they engage with the journey of faith that they're on. If you didn't know it, and you do know it, you're on a journey, right? We're on a pathway that the Lord is delighted in. And along that path, he has ordained, he has ordained things for us. So we want to talk about that pattern. So what impacted me from the message mostly on Sunday was the fact that I have such a propensity to forget in my own life how every time God has brought me to an altar moment and something dies, that he is El Shaddai. Yeah. And he's been the one to breathe life into me and empower me to move on, to get back up, and empowers me to do even more than I could have done before I went down to that altar. It inspired me to look at my brothers having moments of complete and <laughs> undignified transparency that should cause something to stir up in us to remember those times in our lives, the times in my life when I've had complete and undignified transparency before my God, and he's been able to lift me up and empower me to become more than I ever could before, to empower me and gift me with more than I had when I went down there. See, something definitely has to die on that altar, but the greater weight of importance is something lived as a result, because El Shaddai is enough. The result of that altar experience is that God breathed on Abraham and empowered him to get up and keep going in his journey towards the promise. Yeah. This sets us up for the pattern that we see at work in the life of the patriarchs and saints. This is the very same pattern at work in each and every one of your lives. We're going to set our altar experiences right tonight. Come on. Can we get that slide? See, when you come to the altar and something dies, but you can't recognize what God has called in the life, you leave discouraged, Right? But that's not the altar experience that we see in the word. So we're going to get it right tonight, amen? What we see in the word, what we see in the pattern of the patriarchs is that a man experiences El Shaddai, right? We see the same pattern in the tabernacle. When you, when you pray through the tabernacle, do you start at the altar? No, you start by engaging with God's presence. A man experiences El Shaddai, and as a, as a result of him experiencing El Shaddai, a man builds an altar to mark that experience. If you go back and look at the altars that were built in the patriarchs' lives, a lot of them had names. They named their experiences with God as a testimony of God's presence in their life and how El Shaddai was enough in that given circumstance. And they came back to that altar many times as a reminder, and it's what Rob is talking about. So a man went to build an altar that marked an experience with the presence of God. At that altar, something died. But what's more true than that is that something, something lived to a greater extent, to a greater degree. Think about this. When Abraham, when, when Isaac, when Jacob, when they made their sacrifices, when they built their altars, did they die at the altar? No. No. You, you saw their life. They got up and they, they lived an abundant life even more so as a result of what died at the altar. That is what's available to us, church. That is the faith that you walk in. You walk in the faith that says, I'm going to experience El Shaddai because he is enough in my life. Saints, who in, here, who in here has experienced El Shaddai in the same manner and fashion that the patriarchs experienced El Shaddai? Yeah. Come on, everybody yeah. should be throwing their we hands up. We know you have, past tense, right? So something dies so that something may live. And as a result of that altar experience, God breathes on and empowers that man. That is what the altar experiences are like in our life. We have an experience with the presence of God. When we wrestle with God and he shows us what is true. Father said what is true. Jesus showed him what is true. When he shows us what is true and we engage with his presence, that, shows, that brings something to a head. Something must die on the altar. 
As a matter of fact, something gets to die on the altar so that something might live. And you get up from that altar and you run in the path that God has, God has called you to. I'm looking at Chris Riazora. Chris Riazora is a man that makes altars before the Lord. But Chris Riazora's journey hasn't stopped yet. He hasn't stopped at the altar. He's, got, he's gotten up and he's living a more abundant life. He's running after discipleship. He's running in his calling. And he is going to uh, expound in every way. That is what we have in this church. Jaren Snow, that's who, that's who you are. This was the pathway of the patriarchs, and it is your pathway. They built many altars along their journey to the promise. Like, like we said before, usually when we visualize this altar, we visualize the sacrifice. We, we visualize the, the bleeding sheep, right? We visualize the blood on the altar. But what we need to grab a hold of is a life that comes from that experience. And I'm telling you, every time in my life, when I have come to something along the path that my God ordained for me, a difficulty, right, uh, something for me to reach to, to attain to, calling me higher. Every time I've gotten to that point, right, and I, I experience my God, he reminds me who he is in my life. Amen. He reminds me that it's not, it's not my job to bring about salvation. He's going to work through me to bring it about. Every time I experience him. It causes something to rise in me. It causes something like a victory lap, Peyton, to rise, and I get up and I go do, go do the will of God. We're doing that in cycles. When you are experiencing difficulties with a pregnancy, right? Not sure how, how, how your baby's going, if, if your baby's going to be delivered well. Not sure how mama's going to do after that delivery. Just speaking hypothetically, right? But you get on your face before the Lord. You experience El Shaddai, the God who is enough, and say, Lord, we're going to walk through those hospital doors, and whatever comes, you are good enough. You will bring about this child, and you will safely bring back this wife to me. And he doesn't. You know what, know what just happened? I just learned something about my God in a new way. And that, that's not something that I want to put on a shelf. That's not something that, that is a one-time experience, right, where we do it at one point in time and then kind of, you know, oh, yes, that's what happened. No. I want to experience him more. Saints, do you want to experience him more? Yes. You get to. As a matter of fact, he has ordained that path for you, that there are going to need to be many altars that are built, many experiences with the Lord that come about from your walking along the path of faith. And let me tell you something. It may look daunting before you go into it, but you're going to come out on the other side knowing something more about your God and more specifically about his ability in you. God is enough for you in your circumstances, LCM. Come on, say, say it with me. El Shaddai is the God who is enough. Even when I am not enough. Especially when I'm not enough. So El Shaddai is a God that is able to lead us along paths that bring us to experiences with him that cause us to build altars of remembrance where something dies so that something even greater can live. And then he breathes on us and empowers us to stand up in that path to continue on because he has a desire and a goal for each and every one of our lives. So for the rest of this message, this is what we mean by building an altar. This is what we mean about a life-altering path. Turn with me to Genesis 12, verses 8 through 9. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and I on the east... And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. So 
Something else that we have to get along this pathway that El Shaddai has laid out for us is that there are many altars to be built. Many experiences with the Lord where something will die so that something will live. And the result is that the believer is always empowered and propelled along the pathway of faith. Abraham built many more altars before the Lord. It started in Genesis 12, and it continued for the rest of his life. Same with us. In our lives, we have to come to many altering opportunities where we get to experience El Shaddai, and we get to build an altar, and we get to watch the breath of life enter us to empower us to our next daring act of faith. Abram also built altars with his son Isaac. Go with us to Genesis 22, verses 1 through 2 in the ESV. Say life offering, altering path when you get there. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So again, El Shaddai reveals himself to Abraham, but this time it's concerning his son Isaac. Of course, you know in the story that Abraham immediately gets up and sets his resolve to walk on the path that God has called him to. This was no doubt a difficult one, but Abraham knew God as El Shaddai, and Hebrews tells us that he had the faith to believe that God could deliver his, his son from death even after he had died. Pick up with us in Genesis 22:6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand, he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father, he, he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, here are the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abram said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order, in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Come on, we all know the messianic implications of a passage like this. We can look at this and we can see God the Father laying down his one and only son that he loved. Would you say that God is leading him on a path to have a greater experience with the character of our God in this situation? And it leads directly to an altar. See, we often see how Abraham shows himself to be a friend of God, not just by the things that God speaks to him, but by the way that he responds to the way that God's interacting with him. We want to talk to you today about his son Isaac, though. See, we don't hear much from Isaac. He's a grown man by all accounts, and he's laying down on an altar to be slaughtered. Think about that. He's giving his life, seemingly freely, laying down on an altar to be slaughtered. And his father's watching this. To borrow a phrase from a question on Sunday, would you be questioning who El Shaddai is in regards to your own mortality if you were Isaac in this situation? Yes. Absolutely. I'm laying down on the altar, about to be slaughtered. You see, this is Isaac getting to find out who God was to him as a result of laying down his own life for his father's mission. Isaac didn't just help to build the altar there. Isaac becomes the altar. He made his life an offering, and he strengthened his father's faith as a result. Church, you and I are called to be like Isaac, laying down our lives for the vision God has given to others. 
I will die for my brother's vision. As we have done this in the past and will continue to do it, we are going to experience God in a whole new way. And our sacrifices will be met with resurrection power time and time again. This is the pattern. You experience El Shaddai that leads you to build an altar. Something dies, and yet something lives. And the breath of God empowers you and those around you to continue on the path that God has you set on, the path that he is shepherding you through. Say, I am Isaac. You don't just build altars. You yourself become the altar. You make your life a sacrifice. You make your life an offering. And the only way to do that, in all sincerity, is to have an experience with God. See, Isaac, Isaac looked at the faith of his father, right? We don't hear much, much from him before that point. But he saw the relationship that Abraham had with El Shaddai. And he said, you know what? If, I, if, if he can trust him, I can trust him too. But that's something, that's an entirely different situation when you are the one that is, that is laying on an altar getting ready to be slaughtered. Come on, saints. Do we see Gabe Stevens acting like an Isaac on Sunday? Yeah. Do we see that character implemented in his life time and time again yeah. to further his father's vision? Absolutely. Have we seen the very same thing in Judah time and time again in our own lives, laying down his time and his efforts to continue to build us up and make sure that we could get to where we're supposed to be going on our path. Yeah. Do we see men like Gabe Sutherland laying down his life in obscurity back there in the sound booth, day in and day out. Not building his own kingdom. <laughs> Not building his own kingdom. So that he can, he can lay down his life like Isaac for his, father's, for his father's mission. See, we look around in this church and in this body, and we see men that are great examples of being like Isaac. And we realize that it's not just about us. Although El Shaddai is enough for us, yeah. El Shaddai is enough through us for our brothers around us. That, that's what we get to walk in, church. You want to know how, how this church continues to rise? We make our lives an offering. We make our lives not about ourselves, not about, not about what, what we bring to the table, but we make our lives an offering. And as a result of that, we stand up in all that God has told us we will be. That is what we get to be. We get to be Isaacs in this house who are not concerned about when am I going to make it to my calling? When am I going to make it to my destination? No. My destination is the altar. My destination is an offering right now. And how I'm going to get there is I'm going to experience my God. Something's going to die on the altar so that something may live, and it's going to benefit everybody else around me. Amen. Yeah, what, what comes from an offering never just stopped with you. It never just benefited you. It benefited everybody else around you. Turn with us to Genesis 28. So we've talked about Abraham. We've talked about Isaac. Let's talk about Jacob. Genesis 28 in the NIV, picking up in verse 16. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Come on, saints. We were in this passage on Sunday, but we're going to unpack it a little bit more. See, we realize that this is in the midst of Jacob being on the run from his brother Esau. And it's right after he received a blessing from Isaac in the name of El Shaddai. Like each of our lives, Jacob had an experience that started with knowing about El Shaddai. And this was through his father. But he got, to, like, he got to experience El Shaddai in a whole new way in this passage. 
See, Jacob went from knowing about El Shaddai to knowing that El Shaddai is the God who is enough for him in this situation and now. Jacob had begun to walk in the revelation of who God was in his own situation, but it would not end there. You see, many alter experiences along our path are necessary, and it is God's pattern to bring us to a place where time and time again something dies so that something even greater can receive the breath of life and we can be empowered in our life. I remember when I first started off at LCM, I came in 2015. I was on the run from the mediocrity and lukewarmness of the common church world, and I'd honestly been unfathered and unpastored and undiscipled. I had no idea what I was doing. I had previously had an experience with God that set me on a path, although I didn't understand what that meant. I remember knowing that all I wanted to do in life now was somehow be in ministry, whatever that looked like, and I was going to figure it out. Well, I'll tell you what it didn't look like. I thought for sure that I should go back and finish the final year of my degree. I was even looking for churches in College Station while dating LCM. Thank God I've got great pastors that tell me what God's actually wanting to speak to my life, and I was able to turn from that and begin to move towards building an altar. See, I thought that if I could just get that piece of paper, then maybe I could go and apply for seminary or cemetery somewhere, since that's so clearly what God wanted me to do, right? Wrong. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's right. God's path led me to building an altar where what I thought needed to happen could die, where I had the opportunity oh. to allow it to die. And that wasn't going to end in just death. It actually culminated in life, in the true life that he had for me. And it could actually receive the breath of life and be empowered to move towards the God, what God actually had for me in my life. Yeah. Rob, that is so good. My God, I could not, I could not imagine <laughs> not building an altar and continuing on a path that God's not leading me yeah. on. See, we... We know a lot about each other's lives. We, we've been there for a lot of our altar experiences. I am so thankful. But put it like this. I'm putting it on you first. Aren't you thankful when you had, you had set out to do something? You set out to do something you thought was God's will, and it floundered, and it failed? Thank you, God. And after the fact, when God sets you on the right path, when he led you by his word, when he empowered you by his spirit, you realize the path that you were headed on was leading to death? Say thank God for those altar experiences. Thank you, God. I thank the Father of glory. Where you at, Carlos? That he, that he does not let us walk on in our stupidity. One of my favorite uh, scriptures when I got to this church, spoke about Pastor Matt, was sin makes you stupid. And I've, I've been blessed to have many altar experiences with Pastor Matt, where he literally saved me from my stupidity by calling out my sin. I. Do you think I'm sad because of that? No. No, I'm living in more abundant life. I have an amazing wife. I have three beautiful, amazing spirit yeah. children that are going to change the places on that map Come on. as a result of those altar experiences. So newsflash, we, we, we fast forward into the close. What we're trying to do, what we're, what, what we're aiming at is to inspire you to continue on the path of faith and look forward to those altar experiences. Look forward to building an altar, not just where something dies, where you get to know your God more, where you get to experience his presence, and he gives you revelation that sets you on a path that he had for you. That path is a victorious path. We're going to take a victory lap on that path. Fast forward to Genesis 35, 1 through 3. Then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there, and build an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with them, get rid of the foreign gods 
you have with you. Something's got to die. And purify yourselves, ma'am. Amazing prophecy. And change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and who has been with me wherever I have gone. Saints, I'm going to go back and read a verse out of Genesis 28 that we were just said before. See, the first time Jacob came to Bethel, or Luz, he says, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Now, we're sometime later in Genesis 35. And he's gained a greater revelation through the experiences that he's had with God along the path. See, Jacob had to have more experiences with El Shaddai. And he has finally come to the revelation that God was not only in one place at one time, but El Shaddai had been with him wherever he went. Saints, this is true in your lives. It's not about one place and one time. It's not about somebody else got to experience the abundance of El Shaddai in their situations. It's the fact that God is leading us along a path where he's proving himself and he's showing us his character so that we have faith that rises up and said, no, God, you are leading me along a path and you have been with me the entire time, even if I didn't perceive it. Come on, church, let's praise him. The God who is enough, the God who is enough has been with us. He's with us now. And he will continue to be with us as he leads us on our path into eternity. I can look back now and see that despite my own failures, my extremely flawed track record, my worries and struggles, my losses or perceived loss, despite my own mortality or even myself making everything worse, that he is the very God that led me along a path that has been filled with life. Through failing at knowing God's true desire for my wife, or even my ministry team, El Shaddai led me to build an altar where I could lay down my idolatry and trust that he was enough. And saints, he is enough. I stand before you today, a married man, and I'm married to the most beautiful, sacrificial, joyful, shalom-making, devoted, and fearless woman I've ever met, beyond my wildest dreams. Church, this was even beyond perceiving. But wait! There's more. On the other side of that same altar, I'll let you all in on something. This altar was built about a week before I was revealed who my wife was. That's how quickly God likes to breathe life into our lives, and that's what he will do if you're faithful to allow yourself to go through those altar experiences. On that same night, uh, on the other side of that same altar, God revealed to Cody, to Justin, and myself that our families were to be united as a team called to God's people, Israel. Can you imagine how I felt in that moment? Who is man that you were mindful of him? It, it, I was like a man that dreamed. It, it didn't feel real. And yet, because God was leading me along a path to learn his character, even in moments that I know I don't deserve it, he is a faithful God that will lead us to an altar where something can die so that something even greater can live. And then he began to breathe life into that so that we can walk in it. I thank God for my wife and for my team. But wait. There's even more. Not only that, but two years later, God revealed to us and to Carlos that the Rueda family is part of that very same team. Come on, saints, say it with me. El Shaddai is the God who is enough. El Shaddai is the God who is enough. All right, wait, I'm not done. I'm not oh, done. I'm not on, done. Bro. Come on. Praise break, Spencer. That beautiful blonde bombshell back there that I call my bride. She's sitting right there next to our beautiful, precious little girl, Yael Ori Barnett. 
my baby girl, a promise that God has brought about. I, I, I remember dreaming about one day getting married once I came into the faith. I knew the failures that I had in the past, and I didn't want to repeat them. But God led me along a path where he constantly, constantly allowed me to have things die in my life so that he could raise something to life and empower me with even greater ability to, to walk in that path than ever before. All right, I lied. I do have one more. Hey, has anyone noticed that my son Andrew's been back with us after three years lately? We love you, Andrew. Come on. He's not here tonight, but that was a three-year struggle. And I can honestly say that El Shaddai has been enough for me. And saints, if he has been enough for me, I guarantee you that he has been and will continue to be enough for you as he leads you along the path that he's ordained for you and for your generations. Say El Shaddai is enough. When you hear Rob's testimony, that's not unlike your testimony. I mean, we'd be here all night if we talked about the testimonies of what God has done in his church. Doesn't it excite you? When you look out, you know, as far as you can see, we see through a dimly lit glass, but as far as you can see and see the things that God has ordained for you, the things that he has planned for you, when you look back and see how impossible it looked in the past and you see the altars that have been built, aren't you encouraged by Rob? Aren't you encouraged by his testimony, how God has been enough for him, how he's had to build an altar, how things have had to die so that things will live, but he is walking right now in the empowerment, in the ruach of God? This excites me for what is to come, right? I'm seeing through a dimly lit glass, but I'm excited. Why? Because he doesn't change. He hasn't changed. Can we get the uh, slide? We're going to dig into these questions from Sunday. So in the impossibility of your failure and spiritual barrenness, the pastors asked, who is God to you? Not in Abraham's situation, not in Isaac's situation, not in Jacob's situation, in your situation. Saints, if that, in that situation, he is not the God who is enough, then we encourage you. He's probably leading you along the path to build an altar where something can die because of the experience that you have with him. Yeah. So that something else can live, and he wants to empower you to move on. Yeah, so we're encouraging you to respond to those questions by building an altar. How about this one? In the face of your own flawed track record, I, and being called in faith Us. into the unknown, who is God to you? El He's El Shaddai. And how you're going to respond to that question in your heart is that you're going to build an altar where you're going to experience him in a new way. You're going to engage with his presence. And something is going to die. And newsflash, what dies most, most times? My perception, my thoughts, the way I think, is gonna, think things are going to go. My fear. And we get to have his, his breath of life breathe into us, and we're encouraged to go on a path that he's called us to. That's exciting. See, these questions are not great tombstones. They're opportunities to see resurrection life flow through you. When the cares and worries of the world are choking you out and choking out your identity, who is God to you? He is and he always will be El Shaddai. Saints, the reason we're talking to you about these things and the experiences that lead to building altars is because we must realize that it's not in and of ourselves. We were never going to be enough. He's proving to us time and time again that he is the God who is enough. And he's faithful to allow us to have experience after experience until we know for sure in every circumstance he's there yep. and he is enough. Yep. How about this one? In the very real possibility of substantial loss. 
Who is God to you? Saints, build an altar. Have an experience with your God who has always been enough for you, and he will show you in that moment that I'm still the God who's enough. Something's going to die, and you're going to rise, and you're going to be empowered. He's going to blow the breath of life onto you, and you will go and do exactly what he said. He is enough. When facing your own mortality, who is God to you? Come on, say this one's getting real to me. I'm getting a lot of gray hair. Uh, I'm getting older. But the reality of it is it's not just about the fact that we know that we're going to die one day. It's the fact that we're not living right now because things get in the way, worries and fears, things that we worry about in our own health, the health of our children, the health of our families. And we forget time and time again that he is El Shaddai. He is the God that is enough. Even if it comes to the worst of circumstances, even if we do experience loss of life in some way or another, he is still El Shaddai, and he is enough. Yeah. He was enough for Abraham and Isaac on that altar. He was enough for Abraham to look at his son and believe that God could, he would receive his son back from the dead yeah. if he was obedient. He is enough. When every righteous action that you take <laughs> seems to be making it worse, hmm. can I get an amen? Amen. Who is God to you? He is enough. <laughs> I've experienced this in my own life this week where in the fact that I'm not enough, I'm trying to be better at leading my wife. And I know that I'm failing and not getting it right. But I have to stop and remember that God's bringing me to an altar so that something can die in me, so that something can live that's even greater. And he wants to prove time and time again that he is enough. Yep. You see, he is El Shaddai, the God who is enough. He is Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God that can be trusted through your weakness. He will perform what he, has al- what he has already promised. And he's done it in the past. He's doing it now. And he can be trusted. Faith must rise that it is the God who is enough that will continue to bring us along on that path. Turn with us to 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our, imbil- our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, our hearts, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that, we will continue, that he will continue to deliver us. Is Timo in here? On God. Saints, this is a passage that's very near and dear to my heart. This is a a revelation that the Lord led me to about three years ago when I was first separated from my two sons, Brayden and Andrew. But what it caused in me was to build an altar that I could constantly look back to and remember who God is to me. It is on that altar that fear began to die. And I was empowered with the resolve to put my faith in him for deliverance. You remember that, Paul Rosales? Saints, I was laid off last month. But we've been here before. I can look at this present Cycles. situation. I can look at this present situation and allow it to cause me to forget that El Shaddai has been enough for me in every circumstance. It could cause me to forget, but it won't. But he has but he has been faithful, and I can look back and I can see the altars of deliverance that he has brought me to and through in every circumstance in my life. And this, too, we will look back on, and it will be an altar of remembrance where something died so that something might live as God breathes into his weak vessel and empowers me onto the next daring act of obedience. 
He is the God who has been with me wherever I have gone. He is the God that you can look back on your lives and see that he is faithful. He has delivered you, and he will deliver you. And on him, you can and you must set your hope that he will continue to deliver you, saints. And trust, these little ones back there, these ones coming after us, they're watching. And they're learning how we build altars along the journey. You know, I've seen that in Keith's little girl's life. I've seen them watch their parents build altars. And they're looking and seeing how this process is done. And God's bringing them to a place where life can be brought out and empowerment is brought in. And those little girls are learning from you, Keith. We're coming to a close. But if you'll turn with me to Psalm 22. We're going to be in verse 3 through 5. On our way. Don't get happy. Yet you were enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. See, saints, we know this psalm as the suffering king. This proclamation was made in the midst of feeling forsaken, feeling lost, abandoned, like God was far away. And yet... He remembers the character of El Shaddai as portrayed in the lives of the patriarchs. And we just learned what that looked like. He is enthroned in the midst of your difficulties. He must be your praise through the trials. We can look back and see that uh, we can look back and see what the trust of the fathers produced, and that was deliverance, a crying out, and they were saved. We too can see in our own lives that God, that El Shaddai, has never been a God who disappoints but the God who is enough. This remembering the faithfulness of El Shaddai is producing a faithfulness that I see in every one of you to seek him again and again in every circumstance. And a proclamation is made in our lives just like that a little later on in verses 25 and 26. Verse 25, 26. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. They who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. El Shaddai is the theme of our praise in the great assembly. He will lead us on the life-altering path to fulfill his purpose for our lives. We are currently and will be satisfied. And as we seek him, praise will be the result as, his, as the character of God is enough to cause our hearts to live forever. Church, your hearts will not grow faint. Through your altar experiences, your hearts will not grow faint. Why? Because you're going to experience your God in a greater fashion. Something's going to die, yes, but something's going to live, and he's going to empower you, church. Are you excited to walk along this life-altering path? Are you excited to run headlong into the danger, headlong into the difficulty, headlong into the unknown, because you know that you're going to experience him in a greater fashion? Yes, you are. El Shaddai is the God who has delivered us, who is delivering us now. And we can put our hope and faith that he will continue to do the same thing because he does not change. Amen. Saints, I don't want you to turn there, but I'm going to read Psalm 118, 13 through 17. And I'm going to charge you all to make this into a stone next time you're looking at one of those six questions and you don't know how to answer. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. 
Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die, but live. And I will proclaim what the Lord has done. Come on, son. Uh, son. Saints. <laughs> oh, son. Come on, son. You ain't no cowboy. We have to get verse 17 down in our spirits. When you're looking at one of those six questions in your circumstance, I will not die but live. No, something's going to die at the altar for sure, but I'm going to get up. I'm going to go up. I'm going to rise up, and I'm going to be empowered by the breath of my Father. Hallelujah. Stand up with us as we read Hebrews 11:6. Family, we got great and exciting days ahead of us. Where you at, Ethan? Great and exciting days where we get to walk in all the character of God, where, where the reproach is rolled away, and we get to stand as a testimony of El Shaddai in our circumstances, where you can write your own psalm that tells people about the deliverance of God in your life. This is our charge. This is our goal. Hebrews 11:6. and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he, he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. LCM, we started off in Hebrews 11 and we're closing in Hebrews 11. Not for something that you, that you must strive to attain to, but for, for something that you have right now. You have the faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you, you have been delighted in, and the Father delights in the path that he has set you on. Along that path, there are many altars. And along that path of altars, there is immortality in store for you. God is going to reward you as you seek him. So as we close, your marching orders, this is what we're going to do. We are going to praise the living God. I'm talking about all our praise, right? And as you praise him, you're going to call to mind all of the things that he has done in your life that testify to you that he is enough. And what that's going to do is it's going to inspire you and encourage you to continue in the path of faith to continue to rise up in what he's called you to and to not back down, not shut up, not shrink, but we're going to rise in faith, David Bonham, for what God is bringing to us. Yeah. We're going to celebrate El Shaddai. We're going to celebrate his goodness in our lives, and we will stand victorious, and we're going to take a victory lap. Amen? Yeah. El Shaddai, we praise you, Lord God, for your faithfulness in our lives. Lord, we glorify you right now, Father, and we say, Lord, flood our minds right now with the reasons that we have for confidence, Lord God. Put our minds with the reasons that we have to continue on the path of the, the path of faith that you have called us to. For God, cause us to rise up in the victorious faith in Jesus Christ. Amen.